there were two operations this morning. One, my dog got neutered. How'd that go? Uh, I'm going to find out here very soon. I'm waiting for my, my uh, wife to send me a note and see how Big Blue did. Back home with a bag of frozen peas on its crotch. I don't know if they do that with dogs. They ought to. I don't think that that bothers them like it may us, if in fact that happened to us. Yeah, they just kind of walking down, walk around with them hanging down anyway. I'm not sure you know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, Blue is a male dog, is he? He not? is a male yeah. dog. He's a puppy, though. And balls. Yes, Norm balls. Not balls. They mainly just look at you kind of crossways, like, "Why did you do that to me?" For yeah. a while. Yeah, but they know. They know that they're better off for it. But that was not the only operation today. Scrotum. This is about as big a medical-oriented day as we've ever had on this show that has not involved me. That's true, although I've had my fair share, too. Well, yeah, you have. But we also had the back fusion surgery of one Danny Bayless. This morning at 5 a.m., 5 a.m., they come for him and roll him in there, huh? He died? He entered. No, he did not die. Oh, good. That we know Are of we yet. Are we sure? That we know of. I thought you were about to pronounce his death time or something. No, <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> I will live forever. But uh, he had his back fused today, and uh, I texted girlfriend, and she told me at 12.35, he's all done He's in recovery for probably an hour or so, and then they'll move him upstairs. As soon as he feels like moving around, he can, but it's all done. So when it, I read that. And it went well? Yeah, it went well. Said it very, he, she said it went well. Because Danny gave me her number. I go, give me a, a number of, of your girlfriend or your son or somebody that I can text tomorrow to find out how you are. Go to the bathroom and take it. So uh, he sent me his girlfriend's number. Hey now, <laughs> and uh, Ruben, you know her, Jenny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he sends me her Would number you? and and uh, shut up. And so, but I didn't plug it in as I didn't put her name in there. I just he sent me her number and I texted her. What? And so I didn't uh, I didn't have it all plugged in. So anyway, I also you know had the dog thing going on. Well, the the vet was going to text us as well about how Blue did. And so when I looked at this. I was just kind of half-ass looking at it, and and I look at it. He's all done. They've got him in recovery for probably an hour or so, and then they'll move him upstairs. As soon as he feels like moving around, he can. And I read that as the text from the vet. <laughs> <laughs> That's rather detailed for a dog. Well, I didn't know. And then I thought to myself, wait. And Danny got castrated. There's an, there's an upstairs at our vet's office, and I'm just kind of... Scratching my head going, wow, this is really weird. Then I'm like, oh, Danny. Okay, okay, okay. So I sent her a note back. I said, excellent. Thanks so much. By the way, you'll find this funny. We're getting our latest dog neutered this morning. And when I first saw this, I read it like it was from the vet. Then I thought, wait, they have an upstairs at the vet. Then I'm like, oh, S, it's Danny. Anyway, great news. Keep us posted. Glad it's over. So she said, ha ha, it would have been really awesome if you would have read the vet's text as if it was about Danny and wondered why he was getting neutered. <laughs> Which, 
Just don't let him lick down there for a few days. <laughs> Make sure you keep the cone around yeah. his head for a while. Danny with a cone. Poor Danny. Oh, Danny. Which I've said to Danny and you, of course, for all these many years, today would have been a perfect time for him to get neutered. They're already down there. He's out cold. It's a good point. Just do it. But no, you know what's going to happen. Now he's going to have a. He's going to have a possible. He's going to have a kid at sixty-one or something like that. He's Dick Van Dyke. And your no, Dick Van Dyke didn't have a late in life. Tony, Tony Randall. Did. Oh, that's who. Yeah, sorry, Tony Randall. And Mike's going to be Tony Randall Part Two. Nah, he's going to be think so. eighty-two years old and have a kid. It happened, man. <laughs> But you had, and, you're going to get a late night phone call. And I've always been the one, you know, a lot of times if you if you're friends with someone, you regret like, man, I should have I, I just should have been more diligent about telling him not to do whatever it is. And that way he could have avoided, you know, a certain situation. Well, I've been on the air for decades telling these two idiots to get fixed. And so when it does happen, How do you know, I haven't because I know because you're scared. But when it does happen, I'm just going to be like, yeah, yeah, I told you. Yeah. I told you, man. I hope it doesn't. I don't think you have anything to worry about. Okay. We'll see. So there's no shot we can get Danny on the phone. No. Because that'd be fun to talk to him. It's like one of those videos in the back of the car of the kid coming back from wisdom teeth surgery. Which I saw another one of those today. Yeah. I don't think we can get him on. No. I don't think he wants to come on. But he's good. He's all good. So thanks for uh, asking, P1s. The ticket. Right now, though, it is time for me to contribute to this ongoing hardline expose of records that we wore out. Now, we have heard from you two boys. First record. Yeah. First record you wore out. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's been only one that I've literally played so much that it started sounding lousy and I had to go out and buy another copy of it. <laughs> so I'm ta- I'm taking this at face value. I'm taking this very literally. Now I should answer, or I should also add that when I wore it out, I was operating with very, very substandard lo-fi gear. So that, it wore out faster than it might have had you been using Big Mike's hi-fi system. Right. Right. It did. How, so what year are we talking about here? Let's set this up. All right. We're talking about the early 70s, probably 72, 73. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not going where you think I'm going. So wait, you didn't you didn't wear out records as a kid? Just listen to like a Beatles record a thousand times? I listened to Beatles records a thousand times, but but I never this is different. Yeah, I never really wore any of those out. They never they never really reached a point to where I just couldn't stand to listen to them anymore. And th- and this was different. Okay, and I had a little bit better better you know gear when I was a kid and everything when the Beatles were out. You had your parents' stuff. Yeah, I had my parents' gear. This time I was on my own. You had the giant console stereo that took up the third of the living room, probably. Right. right. So if this was 71, 72, you would have been supposedly, or supposed to be, 
uh, like a junior or senior in college, so 21 or 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy. Oof. You know what this was... has got to be some music that was played late at night. A lot, I bet. Very much so. <laughs> Very much Man, so. Man, I'm going to... I'm. I'm going to write it down. I'm not going to say anything because if I'm right, I don't want to spoil it, but I have an idea. Okay. I know. Um, all right. What do you want? Do you want the the first song on this record or, you, do, or do you want the I want to know what got you. What, what got me? Yeah. There are a couple things that got me about this. Number one, I loved, loved, loved the drumming. On this record, because you were a drummer, yes, fancied yourself as a, and and this guy was was and still is one of my all time favorites ever. Okay, and I just loved his work on this. Was this an album that had been released prior, and you had discovered it later on, or is this something that came out during that period? This came out during the period. Okay, that takes away this. Okay, um. So there was that, and also the thing that got me into this was that I'd gotten to know, and not really hung out with, but I'd gotten to know a lot of guys who were players in other, um, shall we say, more CD circles than some of the, those that I matriculated through as a youth. Yeah, huh? And these guys were off into some bad stuff. Like Robin? No, like drugs oh. and oh. stuff. Like a heroin? No, I don't think they were into that. It was more um, amphetamines that they were into. And they used to tell me. Bennies, Mollies. They used to tell me that if you're ever going to get good, if you're ever going to be a good musician, what you had to do was you had to stay up all night, every night, all day long, and practice, practice, practice. And, and to do that, you had to take speed. Practice. <laughs> And in between, fix your TV, uh-huh. mop the floors, yeah. clean the doorknob, disassemble right. the toaster oven, <laughs> right? All of it. Now I was amused and entertained by these guys, but I didn't take that at too much face value until one day I looked up and saw that they were all getting really good. By doing this. <laughs> yeah, but, but the, the the come down is terrible. Yeah, yeah, and. I mean that. I mean that scene was never really going to draw me in or anything like that. But I was still kind of infatuated with it. Yeah. And then this album came out, and it sounded like what was going on here was that very thing that these guys would get into the studio, they would get as high and as wired as they could be, and just blow and blow and blow as hard as they could, and sweat and stink and cuss and fart and everything <laughs> fart yeah you gotta fart the <laughs> and then years later i would come to find out that that was the very exact thing that was pretty much going on at the time okay so let's hear the lead turd I'm, i gotta i my guess is gonna be wrong now and that you added meth to it did we just see a documentary not too long ago on that was based on this, or a lot was based on this record? I don't think so. We didn't? No, I don't think so, but it could be. If it had anything to do with that, it could be. Are the first initials D and D? Yeah. All right. Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, Dungeons and Dragons. 
Uh, well, we're not going to play the, that song. No, we're not. Okay. It's happening. Um, now, hang on, hang on. Oh, oh well, that... Right. Okay, here Here's we go. Here's the first song. I looked away by Derek and the Dominoes from the Layla album. Layla and other assorted love songs. Which so this is late night music for you, huh? Oh my God! So we did see the Eric Clapton documentary yeah. within the last year, I yeah, guess. We have. Yeah, we yeah. have. I had written down. You said I'm not going in the direction you think I'm going. In. I wrote down the Moody Blues. Okay. I thought maybe one of their '70s records would have been something you spun the hell out of. Yeah. And I bet you did. I did. For sure. But I wore this thing out, man. Why? You just loved it? You loved that drummer? I love the drummer. I just loved everything about it because it, it's it's intense. These guys are just in there blowing hard, giving it everything they've got. They're so wired. It's not even funny. I was just infatuated by it. I still am. Did, I mean, I still get fired up listening to this song. Really? At the, the, this record. I don't think I've really spent much time with this as an album. I own the record, but no, I don't think that I've, you know, just completely worn it out or anything like that, but I do like the record, and when they, matter of fact, whenever the doc came out, and they harped on this album so much because this was his love letter yes, to uh, George Harrison's wife. Right. right. Patty? Yeah. I mean, like, and you realize that this is, that album, did you know at the time what it was about? Did they? No. No, no idea. This guy was pouring his soul out to a woman that he couldn't have. I knew there was some connection between him and George Harrison's wife, Patty Boyd, but Mm -hmm. I didn't really. I mean, the the news never really made it back over here exactly what was going on. Yeah, we we didn't learn that until much, much later. Yeah, I mean, the funniest part—not funny, but the the weirdest part about that—is this guy was so obsessed with this gal, he couldn't even live. Like he just he sunk himself into every bad thing possible because he was so in love and he know he couldn't have her. Then he got her, finally got her, mm-hmm. and then they broke up. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way it goes. I can't live, can't live without you, man. Now on this album, you will find Eric Clapton. You will find the late great Carl Radle on bass. On keyboards is Bobby Whitlock who now lives in Austin and occasionally will do a gig at Dan Silverleaf every now and then. And on drums, the great Jim Gordon. The great Jim Gordon. Who was part of the Wrecking Crew. A just prodigious musician. In fact, that is Jim Gordon writing and playing the piano piano coda of Layla. That last Damn. part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Gordon is now in jail. <laughs> In prison, and will be for the rest of his life. Would he kill his mom? He did. With a 
a golf trophy was or something. Was this drug-fueled? really bad. Voices in his head. I mean, he was yeah. mentally imba- imbalanced, and voices in his head told him to kill his mom, and he oh, did. man. When we say the great Jim Gordon, we're referring to his musicianship, not his right. propensity I, for mom murder. Was yeah. this around the same time? Or was um, that later? much later on? Yeah, it was later. It was a few years after this all came out. Damn. But Jim Gordon had a lengthy career as a session musician in Los Angeles. He was on the Joe Cocker, Mad Dogs, and Englishman album and mm-hmm. tour. And he was just a wonderful, wonderful drummer. Never better than on this record. And Did Layla, was it the, is that what sucked you in? Is that how everybody knew about the, the album? Was that the single? Layla? The, the song Layla? Yeah. I think what sucked me in was I started hearing this at, these late night get-togethers with the aforementioned personnel, right? That- <laughs> God. You mean with your pothead friends? I'm going to start referring to my <laughs> friends as the aforementioned personnel. <laughs> <laughs> your dope fiends. Yeah, that yeah. Were on. I got drunk with Mr. Chad and Joe Butcher. Oh, you mean the the aforementioned personnel? personnel. <laughs> <laughs> the dudes that were jacked up on bennies and mm-hmm. everything else. Next time you guys do a two bad gig at the Barley House or somewhere, call it the aforementioned personnel. personnel. <laughs> God. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember exactly what song it was on here that really drew me in. It um, uh, might have been this. This is his read on Jimi Hendrix's Little Wing. As you can hear on this record, it's just go in there and everybody play. Just play hard, (laughs) play big. Boy, somebody forgot to get a battery for their tuner. You don't worry about things like tuning. No, man. Were they all British? No, all Americans. Except for Clap. Yeah, except for Eric. They recruited Dwayne Allman to play on this album, yes, too, who yes. certainly contributed to the fun. Right, because Clapton went and saw the Allman Brothers and could not away. believe what he saw yeah. and befriended Dwayne. Yeah. And all these other guys used to be in the band of Delaney and Bonnie, if you've ever heard of them. Yeah, yeah. And Eric Clapton, after Cream broke up, he decided he he needed to just back way off. And he decided he, he just wanted to be a part of a band. So he hooked up with them and was doing gigs with them. Then he turned around and stole their whole band from them. <laughs> anyway, well, that's awesome. there it is, man. That's awesome. That's the that's one a great for me, story. Well, I'm going to Spotify the hell out of this record this weekend. Tell it again. Everybody Ooh. should. The ticket. Uh, affirmative. Actually, I've been on the toilet all day. <laughs> <laughs> what? Diarrhea. I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you were helping those less fortunate. I appreciate that, but, I mean, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. An S-E mess. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. That's what... So we all Actually, go with... I was just abused because I, was, I, was, I just finished listening to the original Dynamite P song. <laughs> <laughs> How much have you had to drink? <laughs> Don't worry about me. Doesn't he sound hammered? Dynamite P. <laughs> Go in there and drink 60 shots of beer. Let's see what you got. How many? How many? 
Yes, the full dynamite piece owned by Kevin Linehan. It kind of sounded like the uneasy rider, you know? Yeah. Yes, I remember it. Very, very underrated. God. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Everybody go up and see Petty Theft tonight in Murphy at the uh, at the Murphy Amphitheater. We're, uh, where do you, when do you guys play, Mike? 730? Uh, I think downbeat is at 8. Oh, okay. But anyway, gonna... it'll be whatever I say it is. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be able to remain upright? Oh, awesome. I'm hoping. <laughs> Sounds like he's been at the lake all day, yes. you know, listening to Kid Rock and stuff. <laughs> Tank top on. <laughs> so we all go see Jurassic World last night or uh, or this morning. Yeah. Myself, Michael, yeah. Danny, yeah. and Jake, we all saw it. Um, I'll give you the, the quick plot, and we'll not give away too much here. Uh, it's It's very Spielbergian in which children are, of course, involved. A couple of kids make their way to the new Jurassic World. Um, it, it seems like Epcot Center for Dinosaurs. Yeah, it's two brothers. One looks like middle school TC, and yeah. the other looks like high school Jake. Yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> they don't look like brothers at all. No. So they make their way out there to uh, Jurassic World. Which is in Costa Rica. And it's been... You know, 22 years since the original park opened, and now dinosaurs are no big deal. Right. They say that, uh, you know, if you've seen them one stegosaurus, you've seen them all. Kids aren't impressed by them anymore. So you have to keep amping things up. You have to keep getting the new dinosaurs in there, um, new acts up there. Acts, is that what you call attractions? Dinosaurs, yeah, new attractions. So these kids go out there. Their aunt basically runs the place, and the aunt is played by. Bryce Dallas Howard. Is that her name? Right? And that Ronnie yeah, Howard's where daughter? Know her work from? Uh, Ron been... Howard's daughter? Dude, she's been in a million things if you IMDB her. But that's Ron Howard's kiddo. Really? Yeah, it is. She's Ron Howard has a daughter that age. She's pretty. She is. Very pretty lady. And she has the ability to run across an entire seven mile island being chased by dinosaurs and her pumps remain on the entire time yeah you thought maybe she would take those off but the kids go out there and as you can imagine things run amok very quickly here's my one question mike and i ask you this first so we've all seen all the jurassic park movies none of them end well right Right. none of them none of them end with the kids saying oh my god what a wonderful time people continue to die so yes Right away, if you want to, you know, suspend their the the movie and just get back to reality, why do they keep opening these things? The last one that I saw, a dinosaur, and I think this is the third one, a dinosaur attacked San Diego. Right? Isn't that the last one that came out in like I, the early two thousands? I think one yeah. made it to a city. Yeah, definitely. And so you would think at that point that they shut down the productions of these super DNA dinosaurs, but they don't. And this park is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Would you, as a father, let your children go out there without parental supervision, which is what the parents did? I would be terrified to let my kid go out there under any circumstances. Right. Because for, for, for that very reason, it never ends well. <laughs> <laughs> So many people have died, and wouldn't yeah. 
wouldn't the government step in and shut it down? The government of Costa yeah. Rica, they're probably just saying, hey, dollars, tourism dollars. Yeah. They can't. That's why that's not here. It's not in Hawaii anymore. They moved it offshore. I guess so. So they show up there. Wait, hold on a second. You don't think, like, if right now this was a real thing and they could do it in Russia, Russia wouldn't be like, yes? And you had multiple hundreds, hundreds. of death, deaths every single year you don't think of the Dubai attraction. Dubai or Qatar or whatever would say, yeah, build it right here. They definitely would, dude. And they would not give any Fs about whatever has happened before. Man, you may be now, right. If I were Russia, if I were Russia, I think I'd try to bargain for another Olympics too to come along with it. But if I if I couldn't get that, I would damn sure take Jurassic World <laughs> by itself. I'll say this: so they show up at Jurassic World and they immediately start getting on all the all the rides and seeing all the attractions. Man, we have come. I can't remember how old they are. We have come so far. In the world of CGI, and I'm sorry, as ridiculous as the plot is to this movie, are you guys not impressed by those dinosaurs? Are you not blown away? It was amazing. Really, all I wanted out of this thing was some good dino action. (laughs) And man, there it was. I'm totally with him. The first time they showed... Because, see, one of the dinosaurs is sort of a super hybrid, and they've taken bits from a, from these lizards in South America and these bits from these tree frogs that'll help it deal with the climate. But there's certain things about this tree frog that makes it camouflaged. The first time that the big bad MFR exposed itself from the camouflage and kind of came forward, I, I got goosebumps. It's that impressive looking. All right, are there... Uh, that, that, it was truly a magical moment. It really, it really was. was. So when you were a kid, Jake, and this thing came out, was this the, oh, my God, I'm blown away to holy hell? I mean, I was obsessed. I had back-to-back birthdays that were themed Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park (laughs) shirts for a year, the lunchbox. Uh, I wanted to, I mean, since then I've had very little interest in science. I wanted to be like an archaeologist for a couple of years. I was 100% obsessed with dinosaurs. And still am a little bit, you know, but... That's the thing, Danny, is that for him, that's his Star Wars. Right. No, no doubt. There's no doubt about it. So basically, just like with you guys in this coming year, there's no way you're going to go into that movie and say, this sucked, I didn't enjoy it. There's no chance I was going to come out of that last night and think this was boring. Right. Well, it ain't boring, that's for sure. But so the kids, uh, they, they, this super um, Indominus Rex is the name of this genetically engineered dinosaur that, like Jake said, it takes pieces from regular animals and you know, uh, T-Rex, and I don't want to give too much away about what, what else it takes uh, um, from other dinosaurs, but it runs amok. It is the greatest dinosaur ever created. It's the meanest, smartest son of a bitch ever created, and the park goes to holy hell. And instantly, as you can imagine, the kids, those two boys, are put in the ultimate danger. Now, before I go on, I want to get Danny's take on this. Because what on the movie overall? Yes, it was terrible. (laughs) God, yeah, it was awful. I mean, I've seen it before. I didn't. I didn't think there was anything groundbreaking as far as the graphics compared to what they were doing twenty years ago. You were high. That's the one thing, dude. You're telling me that that sea beast didn't blow you away. It looks like a cartoon. It looks like somebody drew it. See, that's the one. I agree it's a bad movie. That's the one thing I disagree. I I thought the CGI was... Well, then this was another thing that that was kind of 
part of the experience is I've never seen a 3D IMAX film before, but that was the only option that I had. And, boy, that loses its luster after about 15 or 20 minutes, doesn't it? I don't really understand. I love, every, I love every second of that. That was my first one, too. Oh, were you there this and morning I'm at down, 10? I am down with more. Yes, I am down with more, man. So that's your first, outside of Butt Bongo Fiesta, that is your first <laughs> experience. Outside of Butt Bongo Fiesta, yes, it is. And for me, it kind of the, the, the newness of it wears off about 30 minutes into it to where I wasn't really even noticing the 3d aspect i wasn't either i wasn't either i did like the sound man that's one of the best sounding theaters i've ever been in for sure well i I know that's the 3d continually constantly i I have to say i look the the plot the thing is though when you realize that the plot involves the military and training dinosaurs to be our new american soldiers? soldiers yeah that is what the ultimate goal is for these evil people and there's always evil yeah, people in all these movies that's the end game for the from the fat guy from criminal intent right it always comes back to the <laughs> the military industrial complex although that is like the seed of a good idea that someone could train these beasts well, I mean, like that's the, the beginning of an interesting movie idea that they'll listen to him, but they just really never fleshed it out all that well. Why Not wouldn't we all. train through the years gorillas? Literal gorillas, not gorillas, you know, that fight in the desert. I'm talking about real gorillas. I think that's... From birth. I think if you're telling me I have a pack of four or five gorillas or four or five raptors and one of the, one of those needs to be militarized, I'm going I'm going raptor over gorilla. Well, yeah, because the raptor will shred yeah, it to pieces. Two. Yeah. Yes, of course you are. But, if I mean, if, they're think, if all they're thinking is, okay, here are these... Oh, we made a sale. <laughs> yes! Oh, yeah. Right. Made a sale, Mike. That's awesome. <laughs> Didn't you think it was a little bit half lame and half well, kind of great. cool that they were sort of they were we self-aware about what a B movie it was? One of the time, Mike? boys. I was going to say we got a we got Dino Talk and a ticket remote that's not all for naught. <laughs> right, exactly. We've actually made money. All right, what'd you say, Jay? But just like whenever they're like, "This is the Indominus Rex," brought to you by Verizon, and they stare at the camera, and then just, there were some lame parts where it seemed like they were hamming it up almost to a point where they knew what they were doing. Like they were not even attempting to make a serious movie. It, it was almost like, like Wayne's World. In yes, their yes, exactly. Yeah. Like it was a bad movie that was awesome. That's the way I would describe it. It's not a good movie, yeah. but it was so awesome no, to no, me. For it's two not, hours, I can enjoy it. Deep Throat wasn't a good movie either. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point was made was awesome. in Deep Throat, you know? Oh, it was. I don't know. I think that, look, I went with my kids, and it was so funny because the, uh, the credits start to roll. My nine-year-old stands up. He takes his glasses off in this very Walter Cronkite fashion after Kennedy's killed. He looks at me, his hero, his father. He looks at me with these big doe eyes of a child, and he goes, that's the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> and think about it. Think about being in third grade or fourth grade and seeing that. Yeah, that's the age I was. Dude, that is unbelievable. And the ending? Are you kidding me? Yes. I mean, again, I don't want to say, and it was all I could do to tell my kid, look, when you talk to your friends, if they haven't seen it, don't tell them about the ending. You're going to ruin it. He's like, oh, but no, I got to. He's got, like, dinosaur blue balls on. He's got to tell him. I go, no, I got to tell him. I'm like, no, 
don't because as ridiculous as it is, it's still, it, to me, it was just a, the, the technology. We're seeing like the, the pinnacle of, of film technology, and I can't imagine it getting better in 20 years. Yes, as ridiculous as it is, it was still incredible. <laughs> what? Dude, when they first come in with that aerial shot, when they come over the gate, and it's the whole park right there, and it's when that John Williams soundtrack sort of crests, I wanted to cry. And, like, everyone in the arena was pretty much my age, which means they were all just in elementary when they saw it the first time and playing to the nostalgia. There was, like, you could feel that people were like, oh, my God. Oh, yes. I remember this. Yes. I remember this feeling the first time I saw this. Yeah, if you if you don't worry about plots too much and stories and military and and I you know I'll tell you this I really like Chris Pratt. Mike, did you like Chris Pratt? I was not terribly familiar with that guy, but yeah, he didn't bother me one bit. <laughs> he is the perfect guy for this type of film, for Guardians of the Galaxy, for this. Uh, he's almost like the new Harrison Ford. I swear, that's what sure. he reminds me of because Harrison Ford never had this quality of Tom Cruise about him, right? Yeah. And it's not The Rock. You right. know, he's hunky, but he's kind of dorky yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He, seems a awkward. He, he seems really legit, like a, a guy that you'd want to go have a beer with. He's every man's man. Right. He is. He is Harrison Ford, and I think that he is. He was great in this movie. Is is He trains velociraptors, for God's sake. I was more impressed with the pterodactyls than anything. That was oh, pretty amazing, too. Okay. I, I thought of Mike immediately. Whenever the pterodactyls broke free from the aviary, were you not oh, freaking God, out, Mike? That was great. <laughs> yes, I was. That, that was. that might have been my favorite part of the whole thing. Dude, that was they, unreal. They broke free from the aviary, and, you know, they get into the mainstream of the park where there are 20,000 people there that day. And here's some son of a bitch leaving Margaritaville holding two yeah. margaritas, and one of them slips down and yanks his ass up. God, that was awesome. That was the guy on the toilet moment of this movie. Oh, it was. It does. was. Or running with two one. completely full margaritas. Right. Margaritas. From, ter- <laughs> from, from man-eating pterodactyls. He like, wanted to save his margaritas. And they were, those, they were probably 40 bucks each. And they were those big old giant chalices of margaritas. Yes. You, a schooner. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how about the pterodactyl play with the with the nanny that was trying to take care of the two boys? Yeah, the the au pair. Yes, right. dude, that was incredible. Look, Danny, I'm with you. Ridiculous, yes. <laughs> Plot, stupid, absolutely. But I never felt for a second that my time was being wasted here. I thought it was a half an hour too long, and I almost fell asleep once. <laughs> yeah. Tough crowd there. <laughs> What's it going to take to please you? I just, I've seen it all, man. You know what he told me I've on the phone today? He goes, man, I'm just so old. <laughs> I think it's stupid. And I, I felt like such an American. That was just such an American thing oh, to do. there's no doubt. To go sit in there and watch the most over-the-top, <laughs> ridiculous movie and with the, the loudest sound effects and this army of, 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 of people, these followers wearing the same damn glasses. I mean, I was, I'm a grown man. I'm watching a 3D movie. So what? That's the thing, man. And it's I, the Indominus Rex. <laughs> until you can, if you can suspend reality and realize, you know, and it, like I said, it's so Spielbergian because it's kids. It's kids doing things that they're not capable of doing. Adventure. Like, like, uh, like kids starting a 1992 Jeep, yeah. figuring out a way to, right. to, 
to make that all go. I thought that was a little bit hokey. Go, their parents going through a divorce. Every single Spielberg movie has these kids put in these really weird situations because that's what he was going through as a kid with his parents right. getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing every time, but I buy into it almost every damn time. Got to enjoy the ride, man. Incredible. Yeah, I know. Incredible. Yeah, I think that's that's well put. You got to just flat out enjoy the ride. And you know what, Mike? I don't know if you're the same way, but there may be a time where I go back and see it again. I wouldn't rule that out for an <laughs> Not in the least. I just picture Mike right now with, I mean, with two margaritas. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> oh, good times. Go, that's, a, that's a pretty good way to go, walking around with two margaritas. With a <laughs> right. Scooter in each hand and getting snatched up by a pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. All right, we got to go. Mike, I love you. Have a great night. We'll uh, talk to you on Monday. Okay, bud. We'll see you. Sober up. There he goes, the great Mike Reiner. Well, I believe we give that uh, many thumbs up and uh, a few down back there in the producer's chair. Yes. Look, it's, it's a movie for kids, and if you can allow the, the kid part of yourself to come out, then it's fun. Yeah. It, it's, it's fun. But, yeah, don't, don't, I didn't see anything groundbreaking, and it was a really bad plot. Okay, I saw everything is groundbreaking, and the plot was semi-believable. Shut up. <laughs> Did you like that he had to train the Raptors with what you would train your uh, your lab with? <laughs> yeah, a little treat clicker. 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 You're training them so they can go fight ISIS. Right, with a clicker. <laughs> Leave it alone, <laughs> stupid. Gotta, gotta go, boys.